Um, so we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit, and I want to get into the message this morning. Uh, we've talked over the last several weeks, and we've said that the Holy Spirit is not weird. Can I get an amen? Okay. We also said he's a person. He's got a mind, will, and emotions. We also said that he is Pentecostal, uh, but I don't think he has long hair in a bun with no makeup on. It's a different kind of thing than we think, okay? And we said last week that he is charismatic. He's a gift to us, but he continues to give us gifts, and that truly is what it is. Um, so today, the title of my message is another question, which we'll answer, and that is, does he baptize? In this series, we've been debunking some of the myths about the Holy Spirit and some of the misinformation. Um, over the years, I really feel like some unbiblical and wacky theology has come into the church as a result of one major error. I'll tell you what that error is in just a second, but I want to tell you this. I really sincerely believe, I can, I, I can say this with all of my heart, I believe that God is offended by our ignorance of his word. I really do believe that. I, I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to be people of the word. And I believe that's where the error lies, that people have misunderstood or never even bothered to read for themselves or dive in and study. And so as a result, there's a lot of different stuff that floats around out there. You've probably heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or in the old days, we used to say the Holy Ghost, which sounds cool and creepy at the same time. Um, but it is not actually the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the baptism in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about what that baptism is today. I want to tell you that baptism, if you look at the word baptize in scripture, that the word baptize really truly means to immerse. And that's what we're going to be doing next Sunday. Um, how many of you like pickles? I know it's a random question. Can you raise your hand? Okay. Put your hands down. You are my friends. Thank you. Okay. How many of you do not like pickles? Oh, I'm so sad right now. There are a few. Well, it's been nice knowing you guys, but um, no, I thought about this um, with the idea of a pickle that is a cucumber, but now it's completely different because the truth is, I don't know if you're like me, I, I'll use a biblical word, I abhor cucumbers. I hate them. I don't think they should exist but I love me some pickles because the truth is I like vinegar. <laughs> okay, that's, that's where it lies, right? I mean, how can you hate cucumbers and like pickles? Pastor, where are you going with this? Listen, 200 years before Christ was on the earth, there was a Greek poet and he was an author as well as a physician. His name was Nicander. I feel bad for him for his name. But in his writings, he lists a recipe for making pickles. And I came across this and I thought it was really interesting. He says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable needs to be baptized in a vinegar solution. That was in their Greek term. He used baptizo, meaning to submerge or immerse and keep. The act of baptizing the vegetable changes its nature permanently. And I thought, wow, 200 years before Christ, 
they in the Greek language already had this understanding of a permanent change happening as a result of something like this. So while he talks about vegetables, I want to talk about people. The fact of the matter is, is when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it affects a permanent change in our lives. I have experienced it myself and I've witnessed it in many of you. So the question is, does he, the Holy Spirit, baptize? Yes, he does, but it's a little bit different than what you think. He actually does something and he baptizes us into the body of Christ. That's the very first point today. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. In your Bibles or on the screen, you'll see 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says this, For by one Spirit, see that's a capitalized S, talking about the Holy Spirit, For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So when we make the decision to believe in Christ and to follow him, the Holy Spirit's work is to baptize us in, take us like that cucumber into a pickle, baptize us into the body of Christ. And that is what affects a permanent change in you and I. But the controversy or the question really that goes a little bit further and deeper is do we need to be baptized in him, the Holy Spirit? And I want to talk about that in a few minutes. The second point today, and you say, pastor, you're going faster than I've ever seen because I'm hoping to go to lunch with you, okay? Number two is the disciple baptizes us in water. Now, the disciple, that word or the way that I phrase that is the person who is leading you to Christ or the person who you are with when you make that decision for Christ is the person who can baptize you. Next Sunday, I'm going to be baptizing some people who I have seen, all of them I've seen, their faith play out in normal everyday life. I can testify to the fact that I know that they are believers and that they're taking this step of faith and this step of obedience. And so I will be the one who baptizes. It's important for us to see that the biblical model is that when people got saved, they got water baptized. Now, some of us have delayed it for a long time, and there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. We want to get you baptized, even if it's next week. But we have to say this very clearly. I don't know what kind of theological background you have, but water baptism does not provide salvation. You getting into water is not magical. It's something that supernaturally happened before you chose to get in the water. That's the reason why you're getting in the water of baptism. So we've got to understand that Christ's work on the cross and the empty tomb is what provides us salvation. We believe according to scripture that you're saved by grace through faith. Amen? not through water baptism. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus' final words to his disciples before he leaves, he said, go therefore and make more. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Say the word all. All. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So baptism is a significant sign And we'll talk about that next week. It's more than just being dunked in water in front of people. It's a significant spiritual act of our covenant with God that says we are committing to live our life 
for him. It's kind of like the wedding ring that I have on my finger. It's a symbol of the commitment that I have to my wife. I made that commitment a few years ago, and I'm going to keep on committing to that commitment. Uh, it's 11 years. Uh, it just took me a second. Um, but here's the deal. When we get water baptized, we're doing the same thing. It's got the imagery of a covenant or a commitment together. So when we talk about getting baptized, whether it's spirit baptism, water baptism, we have to understand that that means immersion. And when we're talking about the water baptism, the idea is that it is the disciple who does the baptizing. Think about the Israelites who fleed from Egypt. Think about them for just a moment. The Bible says that they went through the Red Sea and as they went through, the writers in the New Testament actually refer to it as a baptism. They left the enemy and the old life behind, the old life of slavery behind, and they came into the promised land, into newness of life, you could say. So that's what water baptism really looks like for us. I want you next week to invite all of this week for next Sunday to invite all of your friends and family, um, even the people you don't like, invite them to church, okay? We'll have donuts at the beginning of service. We'll have coffee and all that stuff. But we want as many people here to be able to hear these stories of life change because that's what it's all about. It's all about us knowing that God has made the ultimate difference in our life. So here's the third point. Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist is talking in this passage of Scripture, and he says this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You've got to notice a few things about this verse or this passage. If you go back and look at the entire chapter, you'll come to understand that John the Baptist is talking to a public crowd. He's been traveling through the desert, through the wilderness. He's talking to a group of people. And he has said these words, I baptize you with water for repentance. In other words, they made the decision that, yes, I want in the kingdom of God. And he said, okay, let's go into the river. I want you to make this public declaration. Okay, this is my paraphrase. I want you to make this public sign that says, I am one of those who believe in him. So he does that. He says that here, I've baptized you with water for repentance, but he, Jesus, who's coming after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Remember, he's talking to a crowd, not just the 12 disciples. He's talking to people gathered together. In fact, the 12 disciples aren't called into Jesus' ministry until the next chapter. So he couldn't have been talking to the disciples. He's talking to the general public who are gathered there. And he says to them, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus truly is the baptizer, the one who is doing the baptism. He's the one who baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. And this can only happen after salvation. 
The Bible tells us that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a secondary or subsequent experience after salvation. That we as believers who have come into the kingdom of God, have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we as believers have the accessibility to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that can happen only after salvation. If you were interested, and if you've ever looked into the subject, the book of Acts is not the only place the baptism in the Holy Spirit is talked about. It's actually mentioned in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record similarities. They record the, Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the third year of Jesus' ministry, but John is different. He basically records the first two years of Jesus' ministry. There are five things that all four Gospels record. You should know this. The first is they all record the birth of Jesus. The next thing they record is the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. But then they all four have the same detail when you talk about the feeding of the 5,000. That's interesting. It's the only true story that's reported in all of those gospels that has the same similarity and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus birth, his death, resurrection, a major miracle of God's provision, divine provision, as well as the baptism in the Holy Spirit is what's talked about in those places. So we already looked at Matthew 3 a minute ago, but let me tell you what Mark chapter 1 verse 8 says. It says this, I have baptized you with water, these are John's words, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16 says the same thing that Matthew 3 says. And then in John chapter 1 verse 33, it says of John, I myself did not know him, talking about Jesus, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, listen to me, church. The heavenly father spoke to John the Baptist and he said these words. It says, the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So we've got to see this for what it really is, that Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. I want us to take a look at three specific words, and they represent three distinct baptisms that are mentioned in Scripture. Those three words are this, salvation, water, and spirit. If Jesus is our example, I've got to wonder, did he have all three of the baptisms that are mentioned in scripture? The baptism into salvation or the family of God, the baptism of water, and the baptism in the spirit. So, when we get saved, we call ourselves born again. It's a term that used to be used very popular and now not so much, but we have been born again. The Bible says that Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus. That's that famous com- conversation that we all reference in John three sixteen, when he says that he, his will is that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. And Nicodemus is a little confused. He says, you're telling me I've got to get born again. I'm a grown man. How do I go back into my mother's womb and come out? Like, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being born of the spirit. So in that passage of scripture, we understand what we see as salvation. Jesus, though, if we ask the question, was he born again? The answer is no. He didn't need to be because he was born right the first time. 
I mean, I know that sounds funny. I, we keep it simple around here. But he was born right the first time. In fact, you weren't born right the first time. None of us were. There's only been one ever who lived on this earth who was born right the first time. And his name is Jesus. So you've got to think about that. He was born a perfect son of God. So he didn't need to be born again. He was the one who was the, the vessel to provide salvation for all. There is something really interesting though, if you've ever thought about this, in Matthew chapter one, there's this statement that talks about Joseph being in this moment, Joseph, we could call him Jesus' stepdad, if you want to think about it like that, adoptive dad. Um, it says that Joseph was considering all these things in his heart, and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in verse 20 to him in a dream. And he said these words, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Conceived in her from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. So Jesus was born of the Spirit. So then the answer to the question is, was, was he water baptized? We know that story and we've referenced that here. Jesus absolutely was and you can read more about that in John chapter one. Was Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit though? There's an interesting thought. Some have said that Jesus was not baptized with the Holy Spirit, but scripture says he was. Again, if you read your Bible, you would know this, okay? I want all of us to be people of God's word. I was talking to pastors recently, this past Thursday. I had lunch with some dear friends of mine, Greg Belser, who pastors Morrison Heights, John O'Leary, pastor of Pine Lake. Some other pastors were there. And we had lunch at Morrison Heights. We meet together for prayer every week, but then once a month we meet for lunch. And there was conversation around the table and they were talking about, <clears throat> and Pastor Ken Anderson, there's a bunch of them from, from Parkway, but there's a bunch of us pastors together in the room. We were talking about biblical illiteracy and how the people of God in our churches, one person said we did a poll and we asked them to be as honest as possible and they did a poll in one of the larger churches here in Clinton and they came up with this number, only 20% of their people read the Bible regularly, which was in parentheses as one to two times per week. We've got to be people of the word. How are we going to know what God's will is for us if we don't know what's in his word? I don't know what the ratio is in this room, but I pray it increases today. Amen. John chapter one, verse 33 says that the Holy Spirit descended and remained on Jesus. So let me ask you this. If Jesus, the son of God, needed the Holy Spirit, don't you? We need the Holy Spirit. Scripture is clear that every believer is entitled to and should seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is not bad. It is good. It is not weird. It should be normal. It is not wrong. It is absolutely biblically sound and right. Now, we talk very clearly and plainly around here. What you've witnessed before in places that people call themselves Pentecostal may have been off the wall and God might have disapproved of their behavior. 
So I'm not saying that just because we say we're going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come into us and be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying that that's going to resolve all of the weirdos or fix all of them. In fact, some people were weird before they got God, right? So they just sometimes get a little bit weirder. Uh, we talked about that sometime last year in our blessed series when we said people who find that front parking spot at Walmart and they post a picture and they're like, hashtag blessed. Look, Jesus is watching out for me. No, he's not. The car just moved at the right time, right? Okay. So sometimes people just act funny. Here's the deal. Regardless of your experience, if it was bad, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You need to be, you need to become the pickle. That's what all of us need. So there's a pattern that's been established. Salvation, water, and spirit. That's through and through scripture. We see that pattern. Acts chapter two, verse 38 says this, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you church, the gifts of God come to those who live in obedience. The promises of God are realized in your life and in mine as we obey his word. So here Peter is saying to them, get baptized and you will receive. So if you follow the Lord's command and you obey, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Another instance in scripture is Philip. He was a deacon. He goes to Samaria and he preaches in Acts chapter eight, verse 12. It says this, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Did they have all they needed though? That's the real question. They got water baptized. They did believe. They said, I believe, then got water baptized. Did they have all that they needed? Well, if you jump down to verse 14 of the same passage, it says this. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in water, you could say, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So this is a complete work that God wants to offer to each and every one of us. The repentance factor and salvation is, I believe in Jesus, I'm turning from my sin, I'm, I, and I want to walk in his obedience or in his commands, and I want to obey, so I'm getting water baptized. And then the third part of that same completion process, we could say, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 and 2 says this, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and he came to Ephesus. It says there he found some disciples. Verse 2 of chapter 19 says, And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So if it's automatic at salvation, why was he asking, right? So you've got to understand this, and let me put it in common words so that you can be able to share this with friends. 
When we come to faith in Christ, the one who helps draw us there and does that work in us is the Holy Spirit. So all believers have the Holy Spirit. But we're talking about a secondary thing that happens after salvation that as we walk with him, we seek this and we say, we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit like they did in the New Testament. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit does a special secondary work to salvation. So if it happened at salvation as part of salvation, why would he ask this separately? He says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So I want, I want you to think for just a moment, regardless of your theological background, whether it's Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever it may be, any of those other lines of theology, and I want you to consider the truth of God's scripture. I, I am not someone who is just towing a line for my denomination or affiliation. I am telling you, I believe with all of my heart, the Holy Spirit spoke to me at the start of this year and he helped me line out my calendar. Because he knows all things. He knows what you need and he knows what the church needs. And so you may say, well, did he really tell you to do Leviticus? Yes. And we did Leviticus and we nailed it. Amen. Okay. Nailed it to a wall. It's staying there. Okay. But I, but as I prayed at the beginning of the year, I like to take a couple days at the end of the year or the first of the year and say, Lord, what is it that you want to do in our church this year? I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit speaks to me and that he spoke to me and lined out these messages. I believe that he wants me to ask you the same question today in this room that Paul asked those believers. And that is, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Regardless of our theological background and all the other stuff that goes with it or bad experiences and all that stuff, I just want to challenge you to look at the word of God for what it truly is. There are many churches that talk about the, the Holy Spirit today um, and some of what they say is good, some of what they say is bad. But what we try to give you here is just the unadulterated word of God. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right, good. Acts chapter 19 verse three through five says this, and he said to them, into, then, into what then were you baptized? And they said, well, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. Verse five, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they've been saved and now Paul is instructing them. And he says, and if you didn't pay attention, it's the city of Ephesus. He writes the book of Ephesians to these believers later who he has come and he's told them, hey, have you been, ba okay, get baptized. They get water baptized and then we're gonna see something else. It doesn't stop there. Look at verse six, chapter 19. But when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So you can see that Acts chapter two is not the only place the baptism in the Holy Spirit is spoken about. In Acts alone, you can read four distinct accounts in different locations within different spans of time that all involve the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, 8, 10. This is when the Gentiles were preached to in Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 19 that we just read a part of. But listen to me. 
Acts chapter 8 happens five years after Pentecost. Acts chapter 8 happens five years after Acts chapter 2, if you want to think about that in a chronological way. Acts chapter 10 happens almost 10 years based on the historicity of Scripture. Acts chapter 10 and the details in there happen nearly 10 years after the day of Pentecost. And Acts chapter 19 happens nearly 25 years after Pentecost. And I've told you this before, and I will say it till my dying breath. I have never found an expiration date for the Holy Spirit in Scripture. He's still alive today. He wants to be, he's with you. He's with us today, but he wants to be in you, inside of each one of us. So now that question is the important question to ask. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed in this way? I want to ask the worship team if they would come and join me. I want you to think about it in this way. When you get saved, you become a new person When you get water baptized, it's the symbolism, we talked in our class this morning, it's the symbolism of death or burial and resurrection into new life. You bury the old person. When you get spirit baptized, though, I sincerely believe, according to God's word, you get the power that you've always needed to walk in the new life that God asks you to live. That's where the power comes from, is from the Holy Spirit. This is the complete work of what God wants to give his people. This pattern's been established, and I can tell you about the Old Testament and the imagery of the tabernacle and how you were to go through water, and then you were supposed, after you washed, and then blood as the sacrifices were given, and then be anointed with oil. There's the representation even in other places in scripture of what God's complete work is. All you need to do to get to heaven is to be saved. But the question is, is that really enough when he offers so much more? He wants to do so much more in our hearts and in our lives. So I believe really with, with everything in me that many of us today in this room are saved. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day to do that. The worship team is going to play a song in just a moment, and I'm going to ask you to respond. There's no magical sense that happens in this moment, but there is a change that when you make a decision to believe in Jesus and follow him and give him your life, give him your heart, that supernaturally he comes in and begins to do a work in you. And you become, as the Apostle Paul calls us, a child of God. You're brought into the family of God. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're tall, if you're short. It doesn't matter where you came from or where you're headed. It matters that you believe and that you respond in faith and say, I believe in Jesus Christ for, his, for my salvation because of his death and his burial and his resurrection. But secondarily, if we're talking about the completeness or the complete work, that question of water baptism, it's come up several times today. I want to make sure that you understand that next Sunday we will baptize you. If you've made a decision for faith and you say, yes, pastor, I want to be water baptized. But then I think through those situations like in Acts chapter 19, and I think that question is there that says, do I have all that God wants me to have? Why would I resist any gift that he wants to give me, right? 
So some of us here need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Just because you've prayed for it before and not gotten it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that God is working in your life as you persevere in prayer. Today, I am not going to put my hands on you and make you speak in tongues. We're we're not a weird church. I hope you got that by now, okay? But I'm telling you something. When the supernatural meets and has an encounter with the natural, something does happen. When you get immersed and put into that liquid, okay, you become, you start becoming that pickle. I know that's the stupidest thing, but it's going to stick with you. Lord, make me the pickle this week. Let me be the one who is totally immersed in you. Let the words to my wife and my kids be not the flesh, not my own anger to my boss. Let it be the words that the Spirit gives me. Let it be the grace and the peace that the Holy Spirit can give. Let it be as I walk through a hardship that the comfort of the Holy Spirit is my possession. That's that's what we're talking about. So maybe you've just never had somebody explain it in a non-goofy sort of way. But as we try our best to be biblically sound around here, I want to ask you today, if you say, Pastor, I have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit and I'd like prayer today without any embarrassment of any sort, I'd like all of us to stand right now. If you would stand with me, I'm gonna ask you that question and I just want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray, even though scripture clearly talks about laying on of hands in different places and we understand that that does work and it's an amazing thing that God chooses to use other people. I believe that even just raising your hand in acknowledgement where you are and me praying that God can do a supernatural work I shared the testimony several weeks ago about how God did a work in a man that I know years he had prayed and said, I believe your word is true, but I still haven't received it. And then all of a sudden, one day, it just happened. The Holy Spirit was there and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So close your eyes with me. This is a very, very important moment for each one of us. I want to ask you, and if you're a believer today and you say, Pastor, I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I would love a fresh touch from his presence today and a fresh infilling. The Bible talks clearly about us being poured out and that we need more poured back into us. So if you're a believer who's been spirit baptized and you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life, lift your hands right now. And if you're a believer in this room, keep them up. And if you're a believer in this room and you say, Pastor, I've never been spirit baptized. I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I would like that today. You lift your hands too. Let's lift our hands before him. Keep them up for just a moment. And then the worship team's gonna lead us in this prayer. But I wanna pray over you with your hands raised today. Holy Spirit, I sense your presence here. I'm so thankful for Celebrate Church for these people who are gathered here today. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that for the believers who are lifting their hands saying they need a fresh touch and infilling of your presence, that you would pour into them so much so, Lord, that it would be overflowing. Father, for the believers in this room, regardless of their theological background, they raise their hand and they say, now I understand and I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pray today, as you did in the days of old, that you would baptize believers, even right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, that you would baptize them in your spirit. 
you can put your hands down or keep them in a posture of worship. But I want to ask this question for those of you that are here. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never made that step of faith. I've never said, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want him to do that today. I want him to come into my life and into my heart and to change me. I believe he's the son of God. If that's you, lift your hand up high. If there's anybody here, we want to pray with you today. Lord, I thank you that there are believers gathered in this room today. I pray that in this next moment of worship, that we would give it all we've got and that we would worship you with our full heart. And Lord, that today you would fill your people with the Holy Spirit. Baptize us fresh and new. Fill us again, oh Lord, I pray, myself included. In the name of Jesus, 